Happy Sunday to you. I hope you're having a fantastic weekend. I want to do a quick Bitcoin price update and talk a little bit about what's going well for Bitcoin and what is uh, some of the greatest possible threats to Bitcoin and the ultimate success of Bitcoin. So I'm going to share my screen here and uh, desktop and we'll get into a couple of little items to talk about in terms of what's going on with Bitcoin these days. There's a lot of news and we'll get into that in a second. There's some good news and there's some not so good news. But uh, as you've seen this weekend, uh, right now as we speak, Bitcoin is at 38,759. It's trying to make a break towards the upside to see if it can break out of this pattern that we've been in here the last few days. And the altcoin markets have been up and down and all over the map. One day they're doing really well and they're up, the next day they're down. So what is that all about? Why are these altcoins every other day? Um, you could call them altcoins because they're alternating days of ups and downs, but um, these altcoins, which is anything other than Bitcoin uh, for people that are new, and altcoin is any cryptocurrency that's not a Bitcoin um, or that's not Bitcoin. Uh, one day they're up, next day they're down. Why is that? So this is number one, it's uh, liquidity being created by institutional investors. So these coins uh, with their market caps are much easier to move to generate velocity of the cash. So with a $700 billion market cap in Bitcoin, 700 uh, billion, 420 million as we speak, because it's on the rise. We're approaching 39,000. We could have some, some fun here in a second. Um, Ethereum at 280 billion, 280.6 billion. Then uh, you start dropping down uh, to Cardano, 50 billion, 46.6 billion, uh, 41 in Doge. Um, the lower market cap coins are easier to move um, and create liquidity. So that's a lot of what you're seeing going on there. And that's a lot of what we're seeing here with the, with the Bitcoin price. So I've got the daily chart pulled up here. You see the death cross looming that everybody's talking about and what we need to do to avoid it. And really we're still in a downtrend. So we've still just got lower highs on the, on the daily closes. When you look at the weekly chart, it becomes even more evident. So this is the daily chart. Here's the weekly chart. We still have not closed above this um, last lower high on a week, uh, which is 46,000. Is that right? 46, yeah, 46.7, somewhere around there. Um, so we'll go back here. Uh, you can go to the um, four hour chart and things start to look a little bit different. You can see how we're kind of moving up right here um, towards that, uh, uh, I guess that is the 200 day right there that we're moving up. Here's your 50 day right here. So we've got a nice little breakout attempt here. And if we get on this and look at it in a hourly chart, then you can really see this move to the upside. So this is really a lot of fun for these institutional investors and for swing traders. We've got these big um, ranges right now between that 30,000 and 40,000 range that Bitcoin's been kind of swinging around in. And that just like the altcoins, that's a liquidity zone. That's where the institutional investors can buy and sell to create liquidity. And what are they creating liquidity for? So let's um, let's zoom out on this a little bit. We'll go ahead and go back to the daily and we'll take a look at this on the daily range. And we'll take a look at the line chart uh, so you can see it a little bit more clear. And let's go ahead. So right here, we're in this little zone here where it's up and down, up and down. And we've got our low range in the 30, 31,000 range. We've got our high range here in that 41,000 range. So that's really our last lower high that we need to we need to close above to really lock in a massive move to the upside. And this little move right here 
could foreseeably be a trap. These have been traps that are sent all along the way. And what is a trap? So again, this is a liquidity zone. This is where your institutional investors uh, and your traders are trying to create liquidity so they can move the uh, Bitcoin price action up and down. And they'll set traps along the way because people are setting stops on the bottom, um, stops at the top of where they want to get in and get out so they don't lose any money. And these uh, institutional investors are setting stops and limits all over the place in different ranges to kind of stop people out on the upside, stop people out on the downside and create that liquidity. And uh, with the action in the altcoins, um, they're generating... Uh, lots of capital to work with. So you have to think about a fund that has hundreds of millions of dollars to work with. They can spend a lot of money paying uh, more for Bitcoin than they should, losing money so that ultimately they can drive the price down and reaccumulate at a lower price point. And when you you know, look at the things that are going on, like the Wyckoff, Wyckoff distribution and accumulation, you know, that's kind of what happens. You buy low and you accumulate so you can distribute your way to the top, ultimately distribute out, buy on your way down, reaccumulate and distribute again down so that you can buy um, at a discount to then again, distribute on the way up and drive the market up. So you can pay 30 to 40,000 for Bitcoin. If you're working with hundreds of millions of dollars, you can buy and sell, buy and sell, and you can kind of break even on that. And then you can ultimately start to sell off to drive that market low, catch people unaware, and then reaccumulate down in that 10 to $20,000 range and um, uh, create a lot of opportunity for upside momentum off of that. So just keep in mind that that's what these institutional investors can do. That's what they have the ability to do when they're working with hundreds of millions of dollars. So that's kind of why we're floating in this range here. And I know a lot of people are thinking that we could get a breakout to the upside or downside at any minute. The problem is that could be fake outs, um, which are traps just to you know catch people that are long, catch people that are short on the way down. And, uh, and lock them out. And you never will really know when that move happens until you get those uh, closes that go above and we get the price driven up or we get the price driven down. The problem is it could continue on either way. But one thing to think about on the upside is we don't have above that 39,000, 38, 39,000 range. There's not a whole lot of takers. So you got to think about when somebody's buying and selling, who is that? When you buy a Bitcoin, who sold it to you? When you sell one, who's buying it from you? Same thing with altcoins. Who are the buyers and sellers? And you have to think about uh, what people are waiting for. Many people are waiting for that 20,000 level before they really buy. Uh, many people are waiting for that 40,000 level before they really sell. So I know a lot of people personally that have been holding their Bitcoin that bought um, even back in the 10, 15,000 range that um, missed this top here in the 50s and 60s. And they are waiting to get back into the 40s to sell. So there's still a lot of retail uh, owners out there that are looking to sell and institutional owners that are looking to sell in that 40 range, uh, the institutional buyers that have a lot of capital they're working with, they can, they can soak that up because they uh, are averaging their purchases like Michael Saylor. He just issued a big, we'll talk about that in the news, he just issued a bond and uh, raised a bunch of money to buy Bitcoin, securing debt <clears throat> from his company, issuing junk bonds. So uh, at the end of the day, as he purchases in this 30 range, his average is in the 20s, you know, he'll still be in those 20,000 ranges. The most he's ever paid is 50 something for some Bitcoin. Uh, he did not buy Bitcoin at the top. So even Michael Saylor, who is a long-term believer and advocate, probably one of the biggest voices for Bitcoin out there publicly, uh, he did not pay above that 50, I think it was 55,000 range. And his basis is in the 20s. Um, so he obviously... Uh, 
is going to look to buy Bitcoin as low as he can as well. And some of these move could, moves could be driven by some of that buying action, some of that price action that he's generating through those buys. Um, some of the biggest holders of Bitcoin are unknown. Nobody knows who they are and nobody knows ultimately what they're going to do if they dump on the market all at once. It could, it could generate some price action uh, down. And uh, if they hang on to it and never sell, it could drive price action up. So um, again, we're still in that downtrend. We're in this uh, liquidity range right here that's um, generating revenue, generating assets in order to move the market in a substantial, uh, fast motion up or down. Um, and until we get into that clear uh, close above that 39 or down below the 30, we're, we're not going to have any indication of which direction the market's going to move in a rapid fashion. Um, we have been on a long-term run. I believe uh, my personal view of this recent bull market is that it started um, before the March 29 or March 2020 pandemic. <clears throat> I think we started back in January, February in this little uptrend here. I'm going to zoom in on that a little bit of 2020. I think that was after that most recent 2018, 2019 drop. We started coming back into 2020. We were on the upswing. I think that's where our bull market uh, actually started this current market cycle we're in. Uh, then we had that March pandemic situation. Now we've risen up. We had a little up and down. And then you could go into September of 2020 after a little bit of sideways action. I mean, you know, if you look at sideways action after the March recovery, from May of 2020 until really September of 2020, that's when we were off to the races. And it was pretty much nonstop through, uh, throughout the peak other than this one little area here of about uh, 30 days that we had that, we had that peak at about the first all-time high at about 40,000. Then that was rejected, had a little drop down to 30s, it rose back up, dropped down again, and then we were off to the races, kind of similar to where we're at right now. We had that peak all-time high in the 40,000 range. This is our, we'll zoom in here. This is our first bounce right here after that initial sell-off. We bounced back to that 40,000 range. Uh, then we were rejected and we've been bouncing around ever since between 30 and 40,000. Fantastic range uh, to accumulate liquidity for ultimate uh, moves of the market. So Let's take a look at some news here. And there's been, like I said, a lot of news on the on the uh, positive side, a lot of news on the negative side. On the positive front, obviously, we know about institutions adopting its broad range adoption of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. We have institutions getting in the game every day. We hear about a new bank or a new investment fund that is putting together a cryptocurrency desk or department uh, for analysis, for advisory, and for trading. They are not putting it on their balance sheets. And let me tell you why banks are probably not for any time soon going to put cryptocurrencies on the balance sheet um, is number one. Uh, hang on. Okay, there it is. So uh, let me tell you why banks are not going to put cryptocurrencies on their balance sheet. Generally, um, they're not going to do that because of the, ca the uh, capital reserves, cash reserve requirements for every um, let's say if you put uh, one Bitcoin on your balance sheet, $35,000 or $40,000 Bitcoin, you have to keep that amount of cash in reserves. So unlike regular cash reserves that the bank can loan out, and the banks can own other assets, they can own stocks, bonds, things like that. Um, but for Bitcoin, it's such a risky asset right now, the way it's categorized, 
Uh, the banks have to keep dollar for dollar reserves. And if the Bitcoin loses or cryptocurrencies lose value, they have to replace that value loss with additional reserves. So it's extremely punitive for a bank to carry crypto on their, uh, on their balance sheet and Bitcoin on their balance sheet. And that's why the uh, central banks are very concerned and the IMF is visiting um, El Salvador regarding their recent move is, um, you know, to remind them the dangers of what it is that they're doing and how a move like that could negatively affect their economy, negatively affect their financial institutions and things like that. So it'll be interesting to see how all that plays out, what the IMF comes out and says and um, what the ultimate results are. Now, the interesting thing is talking points are huge. Okay. The fundamentals are huge. This news matters. So if you notice, uh, Christine Lagarde of the EU has said Bitcoin is an asset. Uh, Jay Powell from the Fed has said Bitcoin is an asset. So they are sending clear signals for a reason. They're using that very specific language for a reason. So let's talk about what is the biggest threat to Bitcoin right now? What's the one thing that could take Bitcoin down um, and keep it down ultimately? Um, and that is the narrative of Bitcoin becoming a currency or Bitcoin being a currency. So moves like El Salvador is making in these other countries that are talking about um, adopting Bitcoin as legal tender is actually not a good thing for Bitcoin because countries, the IMF, countries and central banks are not going to allow uh, competition to their currencies. And the US dollar is the world's reserve currency. It's going to remain the world's reserve currency. Uh, it probably will not be replaced. It will never be challenged by anything uh, digital or otherwise. And the US is going to create its own digital dollar. EU is going to create digital euros. You know, all these countries are going to create their own form of digital currency. And that is how they maintain uh, power. And that is how they maintain their economy. So, a very dangerous narrative for anybody um, that is looking to promote Bitcoin is to call it a currency and to say that it is going to replace the dollar, dollar and it's going to be the mainstream use as a, as a currency versus an asset or a store of value. So that is one of the biggest threats facing Bitcoin right now. And a lot of proponents of Bitcoin don't realize it, uh, what they're saying when they're calling it money, when they're saying that it's going to replace the dollar and it's going to um, get rid of central banks and um, entities like the IMF. That's a very dangerous narrative to be promoting for Bitcoin. And uh, even Michael Saylor will tell you that Bitcoin is not money, that Bitcoin is a, uh, is a um, store of wealth uh, equivalent to gold. Uh, it's the perfect gold. And you can um, look up you know, how he presents that narrative. And he's doing that for a reason. He's trying to send a message to the Bitcoin community um, that this is an asset. It's a store of value. It is not a currency and it's not meant to be used as money. Um, it's more, uh, again, meant to store wealth. So that's one of the issues. Uh, regulation is another one. You can see the UK is lob lobbying for new laws, allowing them to freeze cryptocurrency. So with all the cyber uh, attacks that are going on and ransomware out there uh, with these organizations getting paid in cryptocurrencies, uh, governments, uh, states, and entities are going to push for new laws to allow them to seize crypto assets and freeze those accounts. And a lot of people don't think that's possible, but as we saw recently, it is possible to do that. So more and more companies are gonna be pushing for that. Um, Cuba's central bank suspends US dollar deposits nationwide. Officials cite embargo obstacles. 
Um, U.S. Senator urges Treasury Secretary to make significant revisions to the um, FinCEN's crypto proposal. So there's a lot of stuff on the table right now in terms of regulation of crypto um, assets, cryptocurrencies. Uh, so you definitely want to keep an eye on that because that will uh, affect the future value of Bitcoin. And one of the things Bitcoin is trying to do right now, in addition to creating liquidity and running around in that liquidity zone, is it's trying to establish its value. It's trying, it's in price discovery mode. What is a fair value for Bitcoin? Ultimately, what is Bitcoin worth in the marketplace? Who's your buyers and sellers? And what is going to be the ultimate value? And how far and how fast can it go? Now, one thing to, to keep an eye on in terms of news and things like that is the overall economy. If we have a big event in the traditional markets, the stock market, uh, if we have a sell-off there, uh, that will negatively affect the value of Bitcoin and other uh, crypto assets. You got to remember in recessionary times, whenever there's a financial crisis, people run to cash. It doesn't matter what people's opinion of the dollar is. Uh, whenever there is financial crisis, whenever there's a huge recession and a huge downturn, uh, everybody runs to cash because the dollar is the safe haven. The dollar strengthens in recessionary times. You can go look that up. You can see the charts where that's true in all of the big financial crisis and recessions that we've had. The dollar gets stronger and the dollar is still the safe haven. When everything is going down, people sell risk assets. They sell stocks, they sell bonds, they sell cryptocurrencies, they sell Bitcoin and they go to cash. Now, I know there's a lot of people that are long-term holders of Bitcoin that will never sell no matter what, but at some point, uh, if that currency is driven down due to a financial crisis, people need cash, you need money to live, you're going to have to sell. So uh, like I always say, you want to sell when you can and when you want to and when you can get the most value versus when you have to. And right now, um, what we don't know is there's been a lot of really positive news uh, for Bitcoin, but it has not driven the, the price action of Bitcoin exponentially in relation to the positive news. There's been some negative news that's driven it down, maybe driven it down a little bit. So the real question is, you know, what's going on with the underlying fundamentals of Bitcoin? And what uh, is the realistic projection, you know, path of value? What's the realistic uh, projection of ultimate value of Bitcoin here in the next year or so. Can it go back to 65? Can it go to 100? Can it go beyond that? And how soon? So those are the things that we don't know. Uh, what we do know is there's a lot. Uh, Bitcoin's in the news every single day. There's a lot of regulatory um, legislation coming down from all the countries. Uh, there's a lot of talk about Bitcoin. It's in the news every day. There's a lot of stuff going on with cyber attacks, cryptocurrencies in general. And there's a huge difference between Bitcoin and other crypto assets. So you really want to make sure that you know the difference between those. Do your research. A lot of those other crypto assets are um, not even real. They're not even legitimate. They're, they're meant to just take your money and then go out of business. It's a very unregulated, um, wide open marketplace. So just be careful there. Make sure you do your homework and you study these assets so that you know um, uh, what you're really dealing with out there and what you're facing. Um, at the end of the day so that you can protect yourself and uh, protect your family and your future in the event of a recessionary environment. Pay attention to the markets. There's uh, a lot of speculation out there that the NASDAQ is peaking, that there are some structural issues in the markets right now that we're reaching um, the tipping point and we're going to see some real fundamental changes in the markets. We know that we're seeing inflation right now. The question is, is it going to be transitory? Um, once we get through the pandemic, we get everybody back to work and all these um, unemployment bonuses are lifted and things like that. Uh, are we still going to be dealing with massive inflation? 
what are interest rates going to do, how they're going to react. The Fed is meeting here next week, so it'll be interesting to see what they do. If they uh, start talking about tapering, start talking about interest rate hikes, things like that, and how the markets are going to react. So keep your eyes on those things that will fundamentally affect the uh, opportunity for Bitcoin to rebound with what's going on right now and, um, and how far it can go, how fast it can go, or how low it can possibly go. So uh, just be smart, be aware, keep your eyes on the news, and you want to watch the regulatory environment, you want to watch the markets, and uh, keep an eye on that price action in Bitcoin, and uh, have a great rest of the weekend.